approaching a test today would not be to test quality in like I did when I started. It's to understand what quality is and recognize the gap between what we're doing and what that is. Welcome to AB Testing Podcast, your modern testing podcast. Your hosts, Alan and Brent, will be here to guide you through topics on testing, leadership, agile, and anything else that comes to mind. Now, on with the show. Hey, everybody, it's Alan and Brent, and it's the AB Testing Podcast. <laughs> you didn't tell me we were going to do like the, the monster truck announcer version. <laughs> hey, hey, BB. Testing, 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 podcast. Coming yeah. this Monday, Monday, Monday. Yeah, 165, <laughs> 165, 165. All right, so everybody's awake. I'm sorry, um, I'll, I'll tone that down and, and post prod, as they say. Uh, but we're here again to talk about, nah, who knows really, right, Brent? What have you been up to? Are you watching the fun and politics on this fine Friday? I'm kind of... Sick of the politics right now. Yes and no, but I was thinking of of a podcast episode, right? It, and I was just thinking, man, to me, the politics are extra political. And I was thinking about how we've talked about really in America, I think you agree with this, really in America, the fact that we're a two-party system oh, God, yeah. friggin' blows. And right now, I kind of see the two parties in dominant are are both trying to make it a single party. Yeah, I, I and, and I'm just like this this. As you know, I'm neither of the the popular party. I know, but it doesn't help to be neither. It doesn't help to be neither until we have ranked choice voting, and then people can be neither, and it can make a difference. No, because then yes. The, then you're asking me to be an enabler and join the two party system, so fine, which I don't so want. Fine. Be, be all freaking at least go. I'm a liberalist or lib, whatever it is, and I'm <laughs> I'm going to vote for my candidate. And I'm ne- my candidate's never going to win because we have a hostile two party system. But I have my principles. Y- you tell me how how throwing in with one of the stupid two parties that is what, both today- trying to be. How how does that help it become a three party or a four or a five? Because today, no matter what, one of the stupid two parties is going to win. People like me who may want to vote for another party are afraid to. We don't want our vote to not count. We don't want the worst of two evils to get into the office. Oh, okay. So, so because more, you're, more and more, because no, don't, don't you're be, afraid you want me to join your idiocy? Is that what you're then, just telling me? No, bullshit. <laughs> you're, you're, you're wasting a vote. You're sending a vote to someone who is not going to win. And then that vote just gets flushed down the toilet. doesn't matter for anything else. I want you to continue to vote for your little party that, that aligns with your principles. I do not want... What I, I want to do is to I want to vote for whatever party aligns with my principles, but when inevitably, at least at first, that candidate doesn't win, it doesn't let a, for example, a person convicted of espionage and selling nu- potentially selling nuclear secrets from getting into power. 
But if we all vote for the party that wins, we have exactly the opposite of what I want. So your logic. No, my my logic is saying You're saying that if I vote for my principles, knowing that my party is not going to win. Because eventually, if enough people vote for your, like like you vote for your principles, people get more and more comfortable voting for that person. Party will get more dollars to campaign and become a little bit more prominent, get their voice heard more than they do today, which ends up letting these third and fourth parties rise into prominence. Well, it sounds like then I should, you're reversing, that I should continue to vote the way I do. You're not going to get the momentum you need to challenge the two-party system without ranked choice voting. Well, I agree. but which, Okay, which are we of, done then? Which of the two parties are going to give me that? None Neither of the above. Neither party, because they both desperately want to stay in power and be in power and be the power. So we're never going to have ranked choice voting. We are always going to have better candidates than the two Democrat and Republicans, and I'm so sorry, everybody, but you didn't get this anyway. We're always going to have better candidates, far better candidates than what the Democratic and Republican parties put out there. Always, always till the end of time. Yes. Unfortunately, that's the only choice we really have. We can vote for other people and feel better about it, but no matter who we vote for, either the Republican or the Democrat is going to win any political race. Did you see in the latest uh, latest voter pamphlet for Washington, there was somebody running, I forget which office, I almost voted for him, but I chickened out at the last minute. His party was the Elvin Way. <laughs> I said, you know what? This is where we got to go. We got to get to a place where if I feel like voting for the Elvin Way, I can vote for the Elvin Way and they have a chance of winning. But today people go, oh, I'll vote for the party with the best chance of winning and I'll be. Yeah. No, so I'm not going to do that. I mean, I would have voted for the Elvin Way guy if 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 his principles were aligned. A little bit of a rant there. We're about seven minutes in, but we'll uh, get off I... on our oh, what? Well, I was just thinking the I we didn't have much time posted it last time, but I got to say, I really enjoyed our, our last guest. Yeah, he was fun. And I feel bad. One of our listeners pinged us and was a little bummed. He said, hey, I listened to the first 10 minutes, sound like an ad, so I left. And it it did turn out that we talked about his product at the beginning, but by no means was it like it really wasn't about his product at all. No, although we didn't talk about it at the beginning, just to kind of because it know we had to set some context. What happens is you want to be on the podcast. You somehow Internet stalk me and you go, hey, can this dude I know be on the podcast or this can I be on the podcast? And I'm, I say, yeah, sure, whatever. And then we then we get to know the person on the podcast and we talk. And yeah, it was fun. You were going to say something. Yeah, I was going to say, no, I mean, it made sense. It To me, it makes sense for us to talk about their product because our job is to convert the conversation into something that we think is going to be interesting yeah. to our so listeners. Talk, or just what we want to talk about. Yeah, but if we have a guest on, right, I, I'm going to want to talk about their product. Because then I'm then I'm kind of probing to figure out what okay what are these guys or what is this person a domain expert on that's interesting to our listeners ah yeah right and I didn't think we were ten minutes in like like I thought we had it pretty quickly around you know yeah look this leadership is disappointing people at a level they can absorb amen. 
Ooh. All right. Okay. Anything else you want to hit on before we I give you a topic? No, let's 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 top. All right. I was let's asked go. recently to uh, a couple things going on here, and I'm going to be very transparent about what's going on here. I am super lazy. Did you know that, Brent? I did. This is why I automate stuff, and by that I don't mean writing Selenium tests. So stuff it. I am. Super no, lazy. So selenium, selenium tests. We've covered this. Selenium test yeah, yeah, no, yeah. is 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 the opposite of lazy. Let me give you an example of how lazy I am. Okay. My I have this new monitor, but it's a little screwed up in power management. When I plug it in in the morning, it doesn't turn. It doesn't connect. Like my my Mac thinks it's there, but it's not there. And I have to. Well, I used to have to unplug it and plug it back in. Okay. And then it would work fine the whole rest of the day. Just after being off for a while, it won't plug back in. Kind of a pain. Well, I am way too lazy to crawl under my desk every morning and unplug and plug in my monitor. So I put a little internet addressable plug on the monitor and then put that on a timer so it turns off and on about 10 minutes for my first meeting in the morning. And uh, that's how lazy I am. As an example. Uh, to me, it feels like a, a YouTube-worthy life hack. It's lazy. Someone asked me recently, like, would you write, can you write, you know, I write articles once in a while. I said, yeah, I think I'd like to write an article. It's been a while. And I said, do you have a suggestion? Because, man, I don't even know where to start that I haven't already ranted about. How, By the we, way, how we test at Unity. Uh, no, that, that isn't in my list. I did repost someone on Twitter post. I saw another, I just glanced by another one saying someone with the testers mindset could blah, blah, blah. So I reposted my myth of the testers mindset thing on Twitter last week. Got, got a, got a, a few, few head nods and yahas and that kind of stuff. But anyway, I'm going to write another article. I asked for a suggestion and then, uh, which I'll share here in a second. And then uh, another company asked me if I do a, a talk, like a recorded, like 10 minute talk which I can usually spit those out pretty quickly, but I'm going to do the same. I'm going to write an article about something and then I'm going to talk on the same thing. And because I'm way lazy and I should say in college, every once in a while I would get an assignment from two different classes that was close enough, like a writing assignment. I could do the same paper for two different classes. And that it's like not a big plagiarism if it's, if it's plagiarizing you. <laughs> Plagiarism. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to write a paper probably this weekend. I'm going to give a talk. I'm probably going to record it next week. But we're going to go ahead and kind of hash out the topic today. <laughs> we have done but, this more than a couple times. Shh, we have. We have. Like vet my topic. But I have some ideas here and I want to walk through kind of what I'm thinking about. But I want to get your initial reaction first to the topic of if I was starting as a tester today, how would I approach it? And I want to get your initial thoughts, and then I have a whole bunch of thoughts, and it's going to go somewhere. So, like, Brent, if I'm going to ask you, if you were starting as a tester today, how would you approach it? Uh, okay. First question. What's a tester? Nope. We're, 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 it's a we're valid doing, question. You said starting as a tester, but I assume... I assume we're going to go with sort of a straight out of college type of. Uh, I don't start. know. No, I think up to interpretation. So I think my question, while you think about this, my question of what is a tester is a valid question because 
today. If you look at the people who have a tester role, it's a lot of different things, right? So let me start a little bit on kind of what I'm thinking on my story, because I've been a bunch of different kinds of testers, and some of them haven't been much of testers. When I first started off way back in 1993, explored applications, I found errors, I reported bugs, I worked with developers to understand them, to show them, to demo them. I did, I validated things were working as expected. I used applications, all those things. Someone who does that role even today is still called the tester, right? So would I go back and do that again? Probably not. Probably not. I did that for a while. And then I did a lot of API testing. I wrote a bunch of network analysis utilities and tools to help me examine uh, fonts and uh, font rendering and bitmap rendering on Windows. A lot of deep API testing, not just automating the API, but writing tools and applications that would help me understand how, because I was working on GDI mostly with some user, uh, how these user-facing APIs worked on Windows. Um, so I did a lot of API testing, a short story. Would I go be back and be that kind of tester? Um, and the answer is no, because I fully believe today that everything I did then should be the developer's job. The developer should write their own tests. And there's a tester could write a few of those, but I was writing a bunch of a bunch of tests. Fortunately, at that time, very few of them were kind of unit testy, but I think a lot of the tests I wrote at that time still should be owned by developers. They probably could have written them better than I did. For sure. And at the time, to, to my to credit, I think there's a lot of the, like these tools are I'm I'm picturing them like stuff to render code pages to dive in and look at the shading on true type fonts, things like that. I shared with developers and they they kind of end up being code developed over time, but still API testing. You could say my you might even say my job was a developer who did mostly testing versus implementing new stuff. I don't know. So after I did that for a while, basically, this is jumping ahead a few years, but I was still a tester on a test team. I was a test architect, but I mostly wrote tools to help testers do better work. I wrote like test test runners. In fact, I wrote a, co-wrote a CI system back in like 2001. Yeah, but stuff, really... Yeah, stuff to help, stuff, I taught developers how to write unit tests and gave them uh, like code generation that could look at their code and figure out it stubs for some unit tests. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, but then at, at that point in time, were you really a, still a tester? Ah, good question, right? Good question. You know what I was doing at that time? You know what I began to do at that time for the first time in my career? Tag. I began to accelerate the achievement of shippable quality. So you were an accelerant versus a safety net. I think yes. for the first time ever, I began to be an accelerant versus a safety net. Yep. Yep. But... I was working on Acceler primarily, except for a few cases, 95% of what I was doing was accelerating testers. Or no, well, what you just described was accelerating testing. Oh, yes. But at that point, only the testers did the testing. <laughs> so, Yeah, I was trying to remember. And it's hard. When you were still here at Microsoft, was it still... Was this still a place in your point of view where it was common to have a discussion with developer? Hey, if I'm doing all the unit tests, what are you doing? Yeah, that ha that was this is yeah that happened for years. That that was gone by the time I left. 
Okay. So this is all everything I talk to you now. We were coming. This is like my my job as a tester up to about two thousand three, two thousand four. Yeah, I. Yeah, so I like how I like how you did the shift there into into an accelerant. I really do. I'm like, okay, so he he can now point back to a time where he actually began his journey as a modern tester, if you will. Yeah, very. I didn't even realize it, and I knew a lot about testing, and I was teaching testing and talking about testing and techniques and. But for the most part, I was focusing on accelerating the test team. But then a few years later, uh, eventually, right. I don't even know what I did on Link or Communicator, or whatever it was at the time. But when I moved to Xbox, I that point, I was still doing a lot of accelerating of the test team, but really more of accelerating the entire team. I did a lot of stuff in the build system, a lot of tools for developers to use as well as testers. So I was still working as an accelerant, but in this case, accelerating more of the team. And then yeah, when I move so so there I'm a little right when I think about I th- when I think about what do we call it our motto our mission statement accelerate the achievement of shippable quality. Yeah, you were an accelerant in Xbox. But just because you're on engineering systems doesn't mean you were accelerating shippable quality. Now me knowing not. Me knowing you, you probably were, right? But uh, well, uh, just... I was doing things like porting App Verifier to Xbox because I believe in the power of dynamic analysis tools. Making sure we had efficient static analysis tools in our build pipeline with bugs auto assigned to people for accountability there. So it's code, lots of code correctness work I did. I accelerated code correctness for whatever that's worth. Right. So and and then that just naturally graduated into like what I did on Teams, which was even more focusing on. Well, I did. I began to do more test coaching then, even on um, Arcadia before then, the stupid science project of working with developers and really helping them. Probably the first time I helped them do better testing. Maybe worth what? Maybe that's worth talking about. So then I spent a time in my career as a tester, as a test coach, at least partially, helping developers learn how to do better testing, teaching them that. They don't need to have a tester's mindset. They can just have a growth mindset. And at the same time doing that, focusing on velocity. And even though I didn't know them at the time indirectly, working on Dora metrics, like cycle times, getting faster at delivering and getting feedback from customers. But a little bit of coaching in there too. Yeah, so... So at that point, you could say, at that point, I was no longer a tester. But would you say that if I was coaching... Testers, do I still get to wear the tester hat if I'm coaching developers on testing? Uh, you do, but to to what? Like, are we going into the weeds now in terms of your initial question? No, no, no. I want to go back to it. There's an evolution here. There's a, like this is where my career went, and it's all based on a knowledge of testing. When I shifted into accelerating the team, I moved into a little different approach in how I wanted to improve quality on the team. And maybe it's somewhere in there I began to care a lot more about quality than did about testing. So if I pop back the original question, I don't actually know the answer here yet. If well, I so were to I, be a I, tester today, how would I approach it? Yeah. So I, I was thinking of it this way. Okay. So let's say, let's say you just came out of college Okay. And you, re- you reported to a new manager 
And your title is STE. Okay. Okay. And your your new manager tells you, hey, Alan, your job is to accelerate the achievement of shippable quality. Great. WTF does that mean? Right. That's going to be your first question. What does mm-hmm. that mean? How would you go about working it through? Because to me, I when I think of it the other way around, like the the first thing I would want to know is, okay, shippable quality. What does that mean? How is that measured? Right. I first need to know that to know if we achieve it. And then the the other part of the statement is talking about cycle time and increasing cycle time. Right. Well, the definition of shippable is directly tied to cycle time. I don't know if my out of college uh, STE persona would know that, but I know that. Right. When you and I came out of college on this one, the ship date was sure it had wiggle room, but the ship date was decided. 18 years ago, I'll say for me, uh, and I have, I have monitor testing principles up for me. The first thing I would do is, all right, where's the customer usage data, right? I'm going to start going, coming up. If there isn't already an active definition, I'm going to start coming up with what are the problems customers are trying to solve with the, the data, so for me, it's it's my role. I don't know. I, I think if I were straight out of college, I would view my role as far more a, a, a data engineer slash business analyst to try to understand the the customer and understand. We are the it, customer. Yeah, no, um, that's. To try to understand the customer, what is the value proposition? Where are they getting stuck? Where are they improving? Let me tr- clarify understanding here, make sure something gets clicked. And like, I, oh, yeah, you're onto something. So this is approaching a tester day would not be to test quality in like I did when I started. It's to understand what quality is and recognize the gap between what we're doing and what that is. Is that where you're going? Yeah. Okay. To me, it would it would absolutely start with where you are a world renowned expert. Okay, it I can't. Would, I, I just got out of college, man. I just got out of college. Give me some time. No, no, no. It, it, virtual you, the real you. I would start with A/B testing, right? Which is of the course po- the, the podcast. This podcast inception. No, A slash B <laughs> I know, testing. I know. Man. I know. <laughs> But where where you are an acknowledged world leader, like okay, go with is, your wheelhouse. This is actually huge. This is something maybe we've been missing talking about coming out of this is like, if I'm able to look at data, maybe even talk to product at customer insights, but the more I can understand about what customer perceived quality is, the more I can assess what our gaps are. Now that's, is that a tester job? Usually it's like a product manager that drives A-B testing. So is this an adjunct of, of, of traditional product management? Or I think the new tester role is to, because when I remember for, there was a while once where I, I confused you by actually knowing some of the right nomenclature and definitions and wording around 
experimentation in data science. I believe the correct adjective was impressed me. All right. And that <laughs> and when I was doing that research, so I'm really good at learning enough about something quickly to uh, fake my way through. I I'm a, I'm the the king of fake it till you make it. But I remember now when I was reading and studying for that stuff, the person when they talked about doing an experiment, they talked about it being a partnership between the tester and the developer. But in this case, by the tester, they met the person designing the test. Yes. And the test in this case is not the test case input for. See what happens. The test is the treatment, the different, the A, the B part of the AB testing. Yeah. So let me tell you, for example, uh, like I don't know that the product manager is really the person that does that anymore. It certainly is is not in my experience. I I assign that to like straight out of college ICs on my team who oh, partner who partner with straight out of college ICPMs on someone else's team. Oh, interesting. But but those hypotheses range from itty bitty to huge. For example, someone on my team worked with a PM on a different team, very very recently and wanted to understand so do you know how in some text boxes you can you can put you can put sort of a grayed out text in there to kind yeah. of guide what goes here and then when they start typing that text yeah. goes away okay. exactly the control said describe your problem okay they wanted to to test what happened if instead of that in the treatment, it said, briefly describe your problem. Okay, just adding the word briefly. There is a standard set of KPIs that we measured against. We basically said, all right, you have the, the data. You've actually, my IC just basically said, this is what we need, how you need to define the experiment, how you need to split it, and we need the data. Uh, two weeks later, it took that IC 15 minutes to say, uh, yeah, briefly does literally nothing. There's, there's no difference between specifying briefly or not. Good example of an AB test, but I need to rewind because my, my mind is blowing, blowing because 20 years ago, that new at a college tester comes in and is validating that if the input box says it takes text, it'll take text. Dumb things like that. Val the canonical example, making sure the password you can log into the site. Now, as we've discussed many times before, testing and automated testing especially should be owned by the developer who owns the code. Right. So the tester today doesn't have to that stuff's been validated. So instead, the tester today is all about testing via data. Coming with hypotheses around how the software works and 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 what would make it better or worse, let's let's say better. What would make it better, and then designing experiments around confirming or disproving those hypotheses. I think that's perfectly reasonable. But that I is ex holy crap, and I would bet that there are. I mean, you're doing this. This is really cool that you have people yeah. to do this. This is this is, but you don't call these people testers. What do you call them? I call them data scientists. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is, isn't the profession of data scientists going away? That's my prediction. Yeah. And then do they go back to being testers or what happens? 
Uh, it's a very no. confusing circle of life here. So, uh, well, you'll 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 enjoy this. Will I? So I believe in the industry. We're at the beginning of the end of that of the era. Okay, I'm pretty certain it started before you left Microsoft, where it's our basically. What do you call something that repeats every decade? It's it's a cycle. It's a, a, a decade. A ten year cycle. A ten year cycle, sure, perfect. It is about four or five years ago. Someone in HR decided it was time to change the career stage profile because things had gotten out of whack, and they started this like five years later, and they just finished their current conclusion. Okay. The current iteration. And I'm like, oh my God, this is already invalid. So they're they're creating a they're creating a whole dev track. The test track is gone. Okay, but there is a dev track. There is an analytics track, and there is a data science track, and there is also a data engineering track. <laughs> now those those last What's the, I, I don't know what, I know, of course there are differences, but. Uh, I, so data engineering versus the other two, that one's easy. It, it's right. Make the data right, make it flow. Sure. Right. <laughs> and but, but keep it that, correct and keep it complete. But. I'll, I'll let you finish and then I'm going to rant. In terms of people doing work in data science space. Based on my current reading of the other three, which is dev, data scientist, and, and uh, analysis, I really cannot figure out the difference. Right? Yeah. I, I look at them and I'm like, okay, so if I write code that uses data science APIs, which one of those am I? It shouldn't matter because some people are going to live in the middle of two of them and then it gets really hard. So a little bit of a rant here. And I can do this because I worked extensively on the version you just retired or about to retire and also had, a, I guess, not much involvement in what we have at my current employer. But my experience is what happened with the original, we had ladder levels, then we had something else and then something else in this new thing Brent described. So the first something else we had was far too specific that the, the descriptions are long. And what happens when you ha you're too specific is people use them as a checklist. They go, okay, I did that, did that, did that, did that. Please promote me. Yeah, that was, that was absolutely horrible. And that was that horrible. Was, that was, but let me, let, let, let me, let me, let me finish. Okay. So then uh, the new ones still a little bit, but less, there was some overlap. We made sure that it felt calibrated between disciplines, but there was still a lot of like, what do you call my accelerant role? Was I, I was on the test track, but nothing I did was testing. So it was weird. Again, too specific. Test so, architect is what you called it, Ellen. Well, I, <laughs> I, I did not come up with the title. Okay. I, I didn't invent that one. All right. All right. So what happens is, let me tell you where I work now. Uh, we have two career ladder levels, whatever they're called here. Um, job job profiles, job architecture. We have two across the entire company, technical and non-technical. Ooh, they're ab they're abstract, but they're close. They're close enough, and there's four areas. We're not going to go into them and, and reveal any super secrets. But 
what that leaves is a little bit of a disadvantage is it is a lot of interpretation that the manager has to do to figure it out. But I, my argument is that's actually good. There's a lot of pushes to go. Oh, I need to develop a, a version of this just for software engineers or just for program management or just blah, blah, blah. But they generally on a small team, it's fine. If you need to help explain that, you just kind of get your thoughts down. But what I've found is the more abstract principle one that can't be used as a checklist, but can be used to differentiate between levels actually works much, much better than the more detailed ones I saw at Microsoft. Two of them, technical, non-technical. Done. Okay. Yeah. I don't like non-technical, but it seemed because it, 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 there was this. Oh, I, I, I'm sorry. There's, there's, there's three and then there's management. Okay. Yeah. And that would be the right. Right. I look at that and I go technical, non-technical and management. Like to me, it almost sounds like it put a stack order technical, like the useful people are at the top technical down to the useless ones, which is management. It reminds me of an event I was at. I never told you this, actually. So I had an event. Uh, it was one of these back prior to COVID where we actually would be do forced manager training in a room with other people. And we would meet new people. And um, I met the former drummer of Death Cab for Cutie because he works for Microsoft now in Xbox Studios as an artist. Oh, cool. And I think based on my conversation with him, I don't think he'd like being classified as non-technical, but like it would be better to be classified as something pro something. Like To be clear, there's... A lot of times Soft people call expert. test to call testing. There's technical testing and non-technical testing, which is crap, right? Um, but that's that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the difference between marketing and development. We call marketing non-technical. Yeah, why don't we just call them sales or or something, right? That, that's well, sales and marketing are different things, right? No, no, no. But there's got to be a broader name for, for then the, the non-technical, technical and creed. I don't know. Technical, it, well, and it, important. It, it, technical and actually makes us money on the dev work we do. I don't know. But I, I get what you're saying that this non-technical label is practically offensive in some cases. So I get that. All right. Let's go back to let's okay. go back. Rewind. To rewind. I'm, I'm reeling. <laughs> <in>. Rewind. <laughs> if you were a tester today, how would you approach it? Uh, we went too far back because. Oh. Uh, <laughs> okay. All right. So you said you had you said something along the lines that you had your mind blown. And oh, my, because I approached testing today by calling testing. I would approach testing today as experimentation and assessing quality via hypothesis based on customer data. Yeah, I, I was looking at it. Like I have over on a different screen than the one where your camera is on, I have the MT principles. And and if today the job is to accelerate the achievement of shippable quality, the world we entered into, maybe it was accelerate the, the achievement of required correctness. Mm. Right? That sounds it, dumb. It does sound dumb, and that's probably mostly because it was dumb. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're um, on the same page. 
I think if I were coming into a test or if I were managing a new tester team uh, today, it definitely is going to be focused on quality and not correctness. Yes. Even quality and not testing. Different kind of testing. Different kind no, of testing. I, 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 so here's where my mind is blown. Because A-B testing is still testing. No, that's actually what I'm thinking, Alan. I'm like in the software world... Right now, we talk about modern testing is not very modern and not about testing. Yeah. Okay. And we operate a podcast called AB Testing. We do. What if it, if I were to tell you in, in season, t- season two of the AB testing is coming up after this cliffhanger? <laughs> no, what if I were to tell you F the old definition of testing? This is a, about modern and it is is about testing but it's today's definition of we are gonna piss off so many people (laughs) while we change the world yeah a b testing it's official it is modern and it is about testing screw y'all yeah no i think we have to go through the principles and say okay with that definition Uh of testing what is missing because i'll tell you right now there is an there Number seven. Yeah, no, they change. Number seven absolutely changes. I think expanding it, the know-how, I mean, that's that's what I'm working on right now. The I have now gone through so many freaking experiment designs. I, I'm now at a point, oh, oh, my God, why do these people keep coming to me? The The mistakes they keep making are so easy. They could just stop. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm now at a point where I'm getting prepared to automate this, which is what I've done my whole career, as, as have you. Just the boring parts. In retrospective, that means my life has been very boring. I think season two of A-B testing coming up here, maybe we, maybe we, we really mess and put the slash in our, our podcast title. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. There's some exploration to do here. So I didn't. And here's the fun. Here's what you get to hear as a listener, all three of you of A-B testing. I didn't know where this was going. My my approach in thinking about how to answer this question of if I were a tester day, how would I approach it? Is try and think about the different kinds of testing I've done and how quickly I evolved out of actually doing testing yet somehow knowing something about it. But we we made a shift here, which is, it's what Steven Johnson in where good ideas comes from is calls the adjacent possible. It was there. It was there to be noticed. It just took us talking for us to notice it. Yeah. And, and it's interesting. It was, it was there. It was there all the time. It, it has been absolutely. We, we just been, and, and we've, we've talked around it like for years. It just never, it, it's like we're, we're we're at a party and we keep refusing to make eye contact with this one thing because so we don't even notice that they're there and then suddenly you're like, oh, you've been here the whole time. A-B wow, testing! I am staring at you and fluttering my eyes. Hey, A B testing. <laughs> What's your sign? Let's go get a beer together. It's too much of a random tangent. I mean, okay. Even even for our podcast. That's um, al- almost <laughs> impossible. Long-time listeners will know it's pretty much impossible to out-tangent the A slash B testing podcast. Oh, I, you're really going to stick with that, huh? 
So just um, for now. I don't know yeah. what's going to happen, man. I don't know what's going to happen on season two of the AB testing podcast. Sorry, on season two of no, the so A slash B testing podcast. We still got a few minutes left. Let's go through this. All right, like, man. I'm in. All right. I, I, just, I just got excited. Sorry, man. I'm going I'm to reel it back. So we're going to define modern testing, like testing now in the, 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 the span of the next few minutes. Testing is talking about A-B testing, experiment design. And the thing that I'm just, I'm like, yeah, shippable quality. Quality. It's about quality. That's what A-B testing, oh my God. The thing I really like about A-B testing is because it's about quality versus the other testing crap is about correctness. Old testing, not modern testing. We Now we don't old. have to do modern and traditional. We can actually do modern and old. Yeah, I was I was thinking, could we get away with calling it old and just testing? Like remove our adjective and put it on the other, put the adjective on the other one, right, traditional just, I, I, or so like I, I wanna, I've been calling it traditional, but I, I now want a turn that makes it sound like it's archaic. A-B testing. Our, uh, our priority is improving the business. Absolutely. That sounds good. I don't know if it's really, well, I was thinking we, we put we that in some more homework on these and, but yeah, there, there are new principles cause it's a new, we're actually talking about modern testing. It is modern and it is about testing. Right. I'm changing the website in 15 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> so, so for that one, the, the I think the priority is improving the business. But unlike when we when we originally did this, we put that in there because, like, I remember why I wanted that in there and why I wanted that as number one is because so much of the traditional testers were were just like I I provide information or I do what I told or I do this. I'm like I provide F- information to stakeholders so they can make the hard decisions. Right. And we're like, no, cut that crap out. Be a part, be an active part of improving the business, not not some dead weight that someone can cut at any time. We accelerate the team and use models like Lean. Eh, I don't uh, No, that's not part of the new modern testing. I don't think it is. And even um, number so I think one, five, and six. So the customer's only capable to judge and evaluate the quality of our product. That's a new modern testing principle, as well as we use data extensively to deeply understand customer usage and close the gap stream product hypothesis and business impact. That's a new modern testing principle. Yeah, you could you could almost argue six could be removed because we're kind of saying six is modern testing. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna take a little bit of work here. I do want to make one yeah. little PSA. So um uh, just so you all know, uh, Brent is click training himself. So if you hear a little clicky clicky sound in the back, <laughs> that is Brent teaching himself how to not salivate when hearing good ideas. Yeah. So when I have a good idea, the small, mostly non-functional, but sometimes functional uh, resistance to annoy Alan just dissipates. Uh, it's like okay no must put crunchy things down must hit mute if i'm gonna cough must all all of alan's rules that you've heard him tell me over the years i can you know i cut your coughs and and clearing throats things out of the podcast all the time but it's when you're clicking when you talk i can't 
I do not have the time to go in and edit out the clicks while leaving your voice in place. It is not worth it. So they're going to be there. But wait a minute. You're saying you could do that, though? I could I could I could do that. Okay, fair enough. All right. I'm not gonna. Too hey, much why? effort. Yeah, so several things would need to change for sure. But I like this direction. And I like it too because now if we do this, I have to go back and restudy all those things that I learned once. And you all know like it. Oh, you know what? I should go back and look at the presentation I gave at like Agile Dev in Las Vegas and 2017 or so where i gave a talk on experimentation did you know that brent yeah i give like a workshop on experimentation now, i this know is, because this you, is where you, i i you I, vetted it here <laughs> i know because this is what i do i learned enough to give a presentation people to be happy it was like a fill-in like hey don't have a speaker can you come to vegas i said yeah i'll come for the day he said no you have to spend the night i'm not okay i'm not entirely certain you should be so proud of yourself being a masterful bullshitter but you know whatever someone's a little jelly so no i want to relearn this stuff so i will i will put my now with that with that light in mind talking about it yeah this is so cool we have a topic for the next podcast two weeks before we're even going to record it we often do that. The question is, is often will, we do. You, uh, the question is, is will we actually remember? No, nah, I think we will. This is big news. This is big news. We're talking about season two of the A slash B testing podcast. Yeah, it, it, it's it's, <laughs> it's freaking funny as well. You're like, hey, what if we took the concept of modern testing and combined it with the concept of A B testing? <laughs> <laughs> Who it, could have it, come up with that idea? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just can't wait to change the tagline to it, it. It is modern, damn it. And it is about testing. Now, shut up. Yeah, uh, it, it'll, it'll at least at least the hate letters will be something new, right? You know, I yes. And we love the hate <laughs> letters. Give us things to talk about. And every we, we love for you to hate us. I was just thinking, no, I was just trying to. I was trying to guess what the if we came out with that with with a set of principles that were in fact both modern and about testing and I don't know it depends on to, to what degree we wanted to say yeah we're we're taking the term we're taking over the term what you call testing this yeah oh you, oh and we can be the ones to say. Oh, oh, oh my God. Oh my God. I know where you're going. Go ahead. Go we ahead. could be the ones to say, well, that's not testing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you, you went down a similar path, but not the one. I we have saying. heard some people say that about testers in the industry where they didn't like them because whatever I'm not, it, uh, but they would say, oh, what? That's not testing. Well, guess what? That's not testing either. No, this no. Is. Yeah, what if we were to say, and I would love to be able to say this and back it up, what is known as traditional testing, I am proposing that we, from here on out, we call it checking. All of it, every bit of it, your information providing, that's all checking, all of it, all of it. You're playing with the app to see if it works and, and, and plugging in random inputs, checking. still checking. It's all checking. <laughs> let's, let's, let's like if we're gonna take if we're gonna take back the term or if we're gonna take the term testing, let's test check, take checking as well. 
Why not? Okay. Testing is <laughs> We own testing, Bia. <laughs> All right. I got to right. go to my next meeting, yeah, boss. Yeah, me too. Hey, everybody. It's Alan and goodbye. And that's Brent. And he says goodbye. And we'll talk to you next time on Series 2, Episode 166 of the A Slash B Testing Podcast. Bye. Bye. Bye.